Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Your rating and your review of this podcast, wherever it is that you're hearing us, helps us reach more listeners. And if you follow Fog City Psychic on Instagram, you will get more Out of the Fog goodness and you'll get photos of the jigsaw puzzles I'm working on and what I'm knitting, and sometimes a bonus photo of a very muddy Maisie the puppy. That's if you follow Fog City Psychic on Instagram. Now then, how can we apply ancient wisdom to the challenges and the choices in today's world? Diane Dreer, who is the author of The Tao of Inner Peace, is here with me today to talk about how we can create greater harmony within us and around us by combining awareness and action. By recognizing nature's enduring principles, she says, we can expand our awareness, gain peace, and then take effective action to change the world around us. So are you ready to meet her? Diane Dreer, PhD, is a best-selling author, researcher, and positive psychology coach. Her books, The Tao of Inner Peace, The Tao of Personal Leadership, The Tao of Womanhood, Inner Gardening, and Your Personal Renaissance have been translated into 10 languages. Diane's research on positive psychology and hope has been published in academic books and journals, and you may have seen her work in outlets like USA Today, Entrepreneur, Red Book, Glamour, Cosmopolitan, Science of Mind, on radio and TV talk shows, and on websites for personal growth and leadership. Diane has a PhD in Renaissance English Literature from UCLA, as well as her master's degree in counseling. She's a professional certified coach with the International Coaching Federation, Professor Emeritus and Associate Director of the Applied Spirituality Institute at Santa Clara University, and a lecturer in the Positive Psychology Guild in the United Kingdom. You can find out more about Diane and her work at dianedreer.com. Diane, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen. I'm delighted to be here. I'm, oh, I'm glad you're here. So let's start at the very beginning. What is the Tao Te Ching? What is that? Well, the Tao Te Ching was written over 25 centuries ago in ancient China by a wise person named Lao Tzu. We don't know much about Lao Tzu because it was so long ago, but we realize that he wrote the Tao Te Ching during something called the Warring States period in ancient China, when the world as he knew it was just falling apart. And he sought consolation by connecting with nature and found renewed hope walking through the woods, observing the lessons in a mountain stream, realizing that water is gentle and nurturing, the source of all life, and yet with perseverance, it can cut through solid rock. Water mm. is soft and strong, that paradox. He realized the lessons of bamboo, which bends with the wind and doesn't break. The fact that we can be flexible, we can be perseverant, we can be strong when we're greeted by the tempests and the confusion of our current challenges. So the Tao is incredibly useful for us today because it deals with the wisdom of living systems, the patterns of energy within and around us. And the Tao Te Ching, which is a little book of 81 lyric poems, has been translated more than any book in the world with the exception of the Bible. 
and has inspired generations of innovative thinkers and creative individuals. And it's what we need right now to help us connect with our source of inspiration and to make a positive difference in our lives and our world. I'm looking back up at your bio and I see that PhD in Renaissance English literature. What a deeply different way of looking at and understanding the world that is than you might find in the works of Lao Tzu. What is it that drew you to this work? Oh, okay. Well, two things. My PhD in Renaissance English literature was written about spiritual development in Renaissance poetry. Oh. And okay, so there is a connection. But what drew me to the wisdom of the East goes way back in, in my life to my childhood when I was 10 years old. My father was an Air Force colonel and we were transferred all the time. Uh, when I was 10, we went to the Philippine Islands and we lived in, you know, most of the continental United States by then. And here was this world that was completely different. We lived in a house with windows made out of seashells and mango and papaya trees grew in our yard. And we had, my mother loved this, all kinds of people who came to help with the household chores, including a young man who cleaned our house and cooked our food. And he would dance across the floor on a coconut husk to polish the floor. It looked like so much fun that I decided I would help him. So the two of us would go dancing with our coconut husk barefoot across <laughs> the floor. Um, this was a, a world of, of differences and beauty. My father would come back from his flights. He was a pilot to Hong Kong and Tokyo with all kinds of Asian art, which was so different with all this empty space and this, this vision of bamboo or landscapes, which had such serenity. So I tried to do Chinese brush painting, not very uh, uh, well as a 10 year old, but loved art, loved the vision of the East. And when we were transferred back to the United States, we lived in uh, Grandview, Missouri, and I was drawing a picture of a palm tree and painting it in my art class. And all the other students laughed at me and said, Diane doesn't know how to draw a tree. All the branches are coming out of the top. Um, and the teacher said, no, there are trees like that, you know, someplace. And I realized that there's no one way to be a tree and that the wisdom of the East and the wisdom of the West comprise a complete whole and that we need both. I studied meditation when I was in college and began reading Eastern philosophy and discovered the Tao Te Ching, which really affirmed that wisdom of yin and yang, east and west, self and other, mountain and valley, day and night, that that oneness, that wholeness, that we need so much today in our very polarized world. We need to look to the larger whole instead of the opposites. How can we learn to begin to find that balance, to find that greater peace of mind, to find that place where we can hold mm, the sort of the truth of opposing forces without being in conflict with them. How, do, I mean, no pressure, right? But how do we, how do we get there <laughs> in 10 words or less? Okay, let's go. Okay, sure. <laughs> well, personally, um, there, there are many levels that the Tao operates on. 
first of all, personally, uh, our own sense of inner peace and balance. The Western culture is very, very yang, very active, busy, you know, noisy, all kinds of activity all the time. And the wisdom of the East offers meditation, contemplation, reflection, the openness of, of, of yin. And what's happened in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of suffering and a lot of change and a lot of house, what am I, one of my friends says, we've been under house arrest. A lot of the places we used to go to and the things we used to do, we, we aren't, haven't been doing. Uh, some people have been having groceries delivered to their house. They don't even go to the grocery store. So there's a lot more time to be at home, to reflect, to have yin time, to ask if what we've been doing makes sense to us. If we really want to keep doing that, or if we've just been living in terms of our jobs, our relationships, our activities out of habit, you know, filling our calendars up, <laughs> uh, being filled full instead of fulfilled, mm -hmm. so that this, this yin time can be a time when we reflect and ask ourselves some pretty deep questions about how we wish to choose and how we wish to find greater balance in our life. And as we emerge from a lot of the COVID restrictions, I think we can continue to uh, seek our balance by, uh, by spending some contemplative time to reflect each day to having a meditation practice or a contemplative practice it might be walking meditation, but to have some time to ourselves to sort of, again, breathe and reflect on what we've been doing, whether it nurtures us, whether it makes sense to us, and uh, to ask ourselves these questions. Is it necessary? Is it healthy? And will it bring greater joy and peace to my life and my world? And if it doesn't, then maybe we don't need to do those things. So there's, there's this need for personal balance before we can start making any kind of mindful balance in the world around us. But then <laughs> there's that other, uh, we cannot, according to uh, a lot of recent research in positive psychology and neuroscience, we can't function optimally when we're stressed because stress not only shuts down our immune system, digestive system, uh, it also leads to anxiety, depression, metabolic and inflammatory disorders, cardiovascular disease. So chronic stress is really unhealthy. Uh, urgent stress, when we need to jump out of the way of a speeding car, uh, that's good that our higher brain centers aren't online for us to say, what kind of car is that anyway? And, uh, you know, <laughs> no, we just react. But when we're stuck in chronic stress, it doesn't serve us. And it keeps us from, from seeing anything other than fight or flight, all or nothing, either or. It makes us very, very polarized and very, very defensive. So that someone who disagrees with us, we react defensively and we see as an enemy, you know. Oh, it's different. It must be bad. It must be bad in order for me to be good. There are only two possibilities, either or, right or wrong, all or nothing, win or lose. That's how we react when we're stressed. So we need to have some 
mindful Tao practices like spending time in nature, uh, spending time in meditation, or just recognizing when we're stressed and pausing to take a deep mindful breath. There's research that shows that uh, deep mindful breathing cuts the stress reaction. I mean, John Kabat-Zinn's mindfulness-based stress reaction reduction uh, obviously is one such uh, practice. And it's been studied in now thousands of studies and shown to help us release stress, improve our health, activate our immune system, and help us think more clearly and see more clearly. So we first need to get centered, relieve that stress, and then we can see other possibilities than just either or, you know, then we're not stuck. And I think that one of the, one of the greatest challenges for all of us is to recognize when we're stressed and to develop a way to deal with our stress reactions so that we have, we have access to multiple perspectives and multiple strengths instead of just that limited either or you know, all or nothing. Well, those can become habitual too. We can have a stress reaction to our stress reaction and it, and it can create a habit, a cycle of that sort of um, endless running and never getting where anywhere or continued loops of that reactivity or negativity. And it sounds like you're calling us to something a bit slower and much more full slower, more full, and more open to possibilities. People can be much more creative when their higher brain centers are online. <laughs> you know? uh, when we're, we can be more compassionate, we can have greater understanding of ourselves and our world. When we're not just reacting, you know, chronically busy, stressed, racing around, perhaps, uh, seeking distractions in order to keep from feeling our stress, which is part of what a lot of, a lot of people do um, online, you know, social media, um, seeking distractions instead of just pausing and saying, how do I feel? What do I need? And what can I do? To just pause and, and listen to our hearts and then we're able to listen to one another. And amazing things happen when people can do that. We can, we can find the larger whole that includes the opposites. The, the Tao says all life embodies yin and embraces yang through their union, achieving harmony. And uh, otherwise, if we don't find their union, we don't look for the larger whole we can really be uh, shortchanged in our choices. I have a, an example from my life and then an example from, uh, which is a more positive example from uh, international politics. In my life, when I was uh, a junior in college, working my way through the University of California, Riverside, working at our local newspaper, uh, majoring in English, wanting to be a writer, my boyfriend, who was a senior one uh, spring evening under the stars, proposed, will you marry me? And of course, we were in love. So of course, I said yes. 
And then he said, oh, good. Now that we've uh, gotten that settled, you'll drop out of school and work so that I can go to grad school. Oh. <laughs> and I said, why can't we both go to grad school? And he looked at me and said, you're being selfish. And he broke up with me that night. Oh, that's pretty bad. Okay. So that, uh, well, he ended up going to grad school in Texas and I ended up getting a full graduate fellowship to UCLA the following year. And we both got our graduate degrees, our PhDs and became college professors. But because we could not see a way to do both and, he was stuck in either or. It was all or nothing. Uh, our choices were very limited. And you know, we, we limit our choices when we're stressed, when we can't see beyond those, that kind of polarity. So we have a, a better example. Um, I studied with International Conflict Resolution Facilitator Dudley Weeks, who said that the way to transcend polarization is to first of all, get in touch with our own needs, relieve our stress, go off and ask, what do I really need? Not what I want, not what I demand, not what my ego is you know, lobbying for, but what do I really need in this situation? And then to meet with the other person in a neutral place and ask, what do you really need? And listen and reflect back, you know, mindful listening and create a bridge instead of a wall between the two of you to find some common ground, some shared needs that you both have. And then the two people can become what Dudley calls conflict partners who create something together, who build a bridge, who take one step and then another on working from shared needs. And it is possible a few years ago when Jimmy Carter was president, he met with Sadat and Begin at Camp David, which is a lovely, natural, neutral place up in the woods, right, in nature, which nature has been shown to help people relieve stress. And here are these two leaders whose countries had been at war. <laughs> uh, and Jimmy Carter was using his mediation skills, listening to them and all. And, Finally, after a few days, nothing was working. They were still stuck in polarization and getting ready to pack up and leave. And one of the men took out some pictures of his grandchildren and showed them to Jimmy Carter. And the other man said, oh, here are my grandchildren, he brought out some pictures. And the two men looked at each other and realized that what they wanted, what they needed, beneath the surface of their disagreement was a world in which their grandchildren could live in peace. And they came up with the Camp David Accord. So deeper down below the surface, beneath the surface of our differences, we always have shared needs. We always have common ground. We're living on it. It's called planet earth. You know, it's there. It's just a question of getting beneath the stress reaction, the polarization, the defensive egos and listening for that deeper reality, which the Tao shows us how to do, you know, yin and yang. <laughs>
You are listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Diane Dreer. We're discussing her book, The Tao of Inner Peace, and you can find out more about Diane and her work at dianedreer.com. Let me go ahead and I'll spell it for you. D-I-A-N-E-D-R-E-H-E-R.com, dianedreer.com. Diane, one of the things, I'm thinking about what you just shared, that story you just shared, and Sometimes in conflict, there isn't, there isn't a cord. And I'm wondering if you can, I know that loving detachment, um, standing back, getting space is one of the principles that you talk about in the book. And I wonder if you can give an example of how loving detachment might work, especially in these polarized times when change we cannot make change, change someone else's mind, but we can instead kind of widen our field to love them. Yeah. Uh, there's, I think all human beings want to be seen and heard. We have a, a, a need to be, you know, to be respected. And a lot of people these days are polarized, feeling isolated, resentful, uh, shaming and blaming other people. And underneath, there's this, this suffering, this angst. So one thing we can do is to listen. And that sounds like nothing. Uh, a lot of the Tao practices sound so simple. Uh, simple, perhaps, but not easy. And not easy to remember. <laughs> it's a difference. Yeah. Stopping when we're stressed and taking three deep breaths. Oh, what We breathe anyway. What, what's the big deal? You know, well, of course, that has been shown to cut the stress reaction. And listening, um, just listening. There's a group called Braver Angels in this country, which brings together people from red and blue political uh, persuasions and has them listen to each other. Uh, it was started by a number of people, one of whom is a marriage and family counselor, and he uses the same techniques of active listening you know, not interrupting, just listening respectfully, and then mirroring back, oh, I see that when you were a child, you, you know, felt this way, and this is, and, and that you still have this, this, this sense of, uh, I went to a Braver Angels discussion on, on gun control and gun rights, and uh, the people listened to each other's stories, and they they came away, we all came away with a greater understanding. We didn't manage to solve the big problem, but we took the first step of seeing each other as members of the same community instead of opponents, enemies, those people. And it, it takes a number of steps to beginning with listening uh, to make that progress. But when we do that, when we, when we feel seen and heard, our defenses break down, they evolve away, and, and our hearts become more open, and we begin trusting. And that's the beginning. That's the first step. What, I'm wondering what the role of intuition is on this journey, because it, it seems to me that as we open up to ourselves, as we do begin to trust ourselves and our awareness a little bit more that 
in, intuition will be stronger. And it may be that past patterns of not listening to our intuition start to change as we practice some of the principles you share in the book. Oh, that's, that's a beautiful insight. Yes, we cannot listen to the still small voice within us, to our intuition, when that voice is crowded out by stress reactions or by the inner critic that tells us we're not good enough or just by the noise around us. So to have time to reflect, to take a walk outside in nature, to look at the sky, to open, have open spaces in our days makes a big difference. People, scientists, artists who, who have this inspiration have times of contemplation. Albert Einstein used to go sailing. And when he was out sailing in his boat, he'd get these new insights about some issue that he was dealing with in his lab. So he had to keep a notebook in his pocket so he could write them down so he could go back and finish the job. We get intuition when our minds are clear. I have an example. When I was a college student, I didn't have, a, well, my parents were not going to pay for my tuition room and board. Uh, for a number of reasons, and that's another story. So I thought, well, I have to do this myself. So one summer I was working, you know, uh, before my sophomore year at all these temp jobs. And coming back, I passed the Riverside Press Enterprise newspaper office. And something told me, you're a writer, you should work there. So I pulled my car into the parking lot, walked in the door, and uh, my shy 19-year-old self said, hi, I'm Diane Dreer. I'm a writer. I'd like to apply for a job. <laughs> and the, uh, one of the reporters said, well, you need to go upstairs to the personnel office and fill out some papers. And so I did. And they told me, well, um, our student intern just gave notice this morning. Can you come to work on Monday? Oh. I advertised the job yet. So <laughs> that was a perfect job. Uh, I could work around my schedule because the new newspaper office was open 24-7. So I could go to class and then go work at the newspaper. I met all these reporters, these writers. It opened up this whole new worldview for me. How did I know to do that? I was in touch with my intuition. Our intuition knows more than we consciously realize. I know we're just getting to the end of our time how can, there's so much here and the book is packed with practical exercises and affirmations and questions we can ask ourselves. How can listeners find out more about you and your work, Diane? Oh, well, they can go to my website, Diane Dreer, D-I-A-N-E, D-R-E-H-E-R.com, uh, where I have uh, excerpts from some of my writing, links to podcasts and meditations, and they could sign up for my seasonal newsletter, which each of the four seasons comes out with new insights from the Tao Te Ching related to our lives. And I just welcome, uh, it also has a contact uh, link. They can contact me and ask further questions if they'd like. That's beautiful. What is it that you most want us to know about 
the Tao Te Ching about inner peace, about the possibilities that await if we stop to breathe, stop to listen? Well, beautiful question. I, I realize in these challenging times, a lot of us are feeling a sense of overwhelm and hopelessness. And my book, The Tao of Inner Peace, and the vision of Tao offers a new path of hope with principles from nature, dynamic growth, the interconnectedness of all life. We're all part of the same overarching oneness. Yin and yang, awareness and action. So my intention is for readers to realize that as we become more aware of these natural principles within and around us, we see that we're a vital part of the process, that our actions make a difference and can positively shape our future. And we can begin right now, as the Tao says, a tree that grows beyond your reach springs from a tiny seed. A building over nine stories high springs from a handful of earth. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So we can take that step right now and move toward greater harmony, greater peace within and around us. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you for helping us take that step, Diane. Thank you. And thank you. I've been talking with Diane Dreer about her book, The Tao of Inner Peace. You can find out more about Di Diane and her work at diandreer.com. That's D-I-A-N-E-D-R-E-H-E-R.com, diandreer.com. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events, and you can even book a private intuitive session there if you're so inclined. If you like I don't know, jigsaw puzzles and yarn and puppies and out of the fog. <laughs> you follow Fog City Psychic on Instagram for a merry mix of glimpses into my wacky world. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. <laughs>